Hi, everyone. Just before we get started with this podcast episode, um, I've got a word from our sponsor, um, the Toronto School of Management's NCA exam prep program. So you can follow the the TSOM NCA prep program on Facebook if you just search TSOM NCA program. Um, what they're doing now is they're coming out with a lot of new materials. And in particular, they're coming out with sort of a new way of approaching exam strategy preparation. So on March 4th at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, the Toronto School of Management's NCA exam strategy and sample paper live session will be taking place. For people who are studying in small groups or for people who have um, been self-studying or even for people who have had the experience of tutoring with other great, you know, other great mentors and other great teachers out there, if you're looking for a little bit of extra help or looking to shore up some questions that you might have, uh, the session is $60 and it's hosted by Amadeo Clevio. Um, Amadeo obtained his JD from Osgoode Hall Law School and is the owner of Clevio Law Professional Corporation. I'll be there as well to moderate the session. So to make sure that all of your questions are answered, um, you can submit questions prior to the session to have it be a little bit more structured by emailing ncaprep at torontosom.ca. And also, if you're interested in registering for the event, again, it's $60 Canadian. There's no taxes included there. Um, and you can either DM me personally and I can connect you with the right people within the Toronto School of Management organization, or you're able to email ncaprep at torontosom.ca. Shot of Life, a podcast aimed at highlighting the personal journeys of professionals and entrepreneurs in Canada, taking a snapshot of the person behind the professional title. This is episode 30. My 30th guest is Jennifer Lindsay Mohammed. Jennifer is a practicing attorney at law with licenses to practice in the jurisdictions of Ontario, Canada, and Trinidad and Tobago, along with an LLM in corporate and commercial law from the University of the West Indies. Jennifer has more than 12 years of experience as both in-house legal counsel within a state-integrated oil and gas company and within the field of corporate commercial litigation and dispute resolution at Trinidadian law firms. Hi, Jennifer. Hi, Anton. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks so much for agreeing to be on. Um, for the listeners, the, the podcast is growing, obviously, <laughs> because Jennifer, you and I got in touch because I, I assume you had been listening um, to some or all of the episodes and and then reached out to me, which was amazing, to to let me know that you might have a unique experience that you think you'd like to share um, with others who are going through similar similar experiences or for those of whom having to write the exams abroad is a reality um or in remote studying and all of those things so thanks first of all for reaching out to me and uh agreeing to be on the podcast of course uh, um i thought what uh, what i have been reading and following so far was was pretty amazing 
Mm. Um, and I really did appreciate what you were trying to do. And I really felt that it was something that I would have wanted to be a part of. So thanks for actually accepting my request. <laughs> <laughs> of course, always open to it. I mean, part of, part of this whole um, journey for me is to talk to all kinds of different people. Um, and learn from them and understand, I mean, it gives me a way better understanding of just how many different routes to practice in Canada there are and how many different, you know, everybody's journey is so different and unique. So it's pretty cool. Um, and given that I've spoken to people from all over the world, really, from pretty much every corner, Australia, um, some people from from Nigeria and from India and Pakistan and the UK. Um, I think I'd like to start this conversation, Jennifer, by asking, where are you from? <laughs> okay, so uh, interestingly enough, I am actually Canadian born. Mm. Um, uh, so I was born <clears throat> in the GTA area and I lived there for about two, the first two years of my life. But my parents and my entire family are originally from Trinidad and Tobago. Mm. And uh, when I was around two, my parents decided to leave Canada and return to Trinidad. Right. So that's where I grew up. Um, I never really spent much time in Canada uh, other than visits to family. Um, so my, I'm originally from Trinidad. And Tobago. That's where I grew up. That's where I went to school. That's where I worked. Interesting. Yeah. And, and that's kind of an interesting wrinkle on, on the whole journey to Canada is that usually people um, I speak to are coming into Canada. And it sounds like your family made the decision when you were very young, um, you know, yeah. probably for, for either work or family reasons to go from Canada back to Trinidad. So that's interesting. So where are you now? I am right now. I'm in Abu Dhabi. Um, my, my husband, who is also from Trinidad, um, received a job opportunity here seven years ago. Um, and we've been here, um, basically just for that. So we're, wow. we're expats here in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's what I'm doing right now. Very interesting. So if you don't mind, <laughs> um, I might, I, I'm interested, like, what's that like? Was that, um, cause you know, we, you hear things about the Middle East and the lifestyle. It's a little bit different as, as is anywhere else in the world. Um, how did you find it in your transition from, from Trinidad to Abu Dhabi? Uh, well, I'm, the, first, uh, the first major change really, uh, other than the obvious being that it's a complete change uh, in location, was that I, um, I was working at the time. I was fully into my career as an attorney in Trinidad. Mm. I was Uh, eight plus years in practice when my husband got this job here Mm. and that was the biggest change for me having to drop my career uh, drop working and come here because well he's the one who's at work and I have not been working since we since we came here Mm. so that was a major sacrifice on my part um, giving up well not really giving up but just temporarily putting it on hold, really, right. um, in order for my husband to, to, to pursue his job here. Um, and I initially, when I came, it was it was it was such a change, and you know, it was such an adjustment that it didn't really 
matter that I was not working at first, especially since when I first came, I had a three-month-old baby with me. Right. Um, so, you know, it was great that I was able to actually be at home with her as opposed to being a working mom. Mm -hmm. um, but as she got older and more independent, I decided to try to explore the job opportunities that would be available to me here as a lawyer. And basically found it impossible, mainly because everyone wants attorneys who are qualified, either in the UK, the US, Canada, Australia, or New Zealand. And wow. nobody seemed to care that I was educated and had worked in Trinidad. And as a matter of fact, nobody had actually heard of Trinidad before. <laughs> wow. It was very entertaining, yeah. <laughs> actually. <laughs> So basically, from that point, I kind of used that as my impetus to proceed to get myself recertified in Ontario. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a multitude of other reasons why I chose to, but that was one of the reasons why. Wow. Well, you know, at the beginning of the conversation, Jennifer, I was saying how everybody's journey is unique. Um, this is probably the most unique. <laughs> uh, uh, very, and I, I get kind of really interested in learning a little bit more. So when you make the decision um, to get qualified in Ontario, is that because, like, do you think that you're, you'd like to get qualified so that you can apply for jobs um, and, and have a better chance of securing a position in Abu Dhabi? It was uh, that's one of the reasons why um, it, it, it just sort of all came into place at the point in time when both my husband and I decided to begin the journey of being recertified in Ontario. That was one reason. Mm. Um, the other reason was really because we were evaluating our options in terms of whenever we decided to leave here. Um, and because I'm, I'm not sure if you're aware that you're not allowed to live here uh, legally for the rest of your life. You're only, um, you're only allowed to live here for as long as you have a job. Oh. And uh, uh, my husband's uh, job is a permanent job up until retirement. And provided that he makes it all the way to that point, eventually he's going to have to leave. So as soon as he retires, the law is here that you have to, you have to take leave to leave. You're not allowed to live here. Wow. I didn't know that. Interesting. Yes, that's, that's how it is here. The only persons who are allowed to live here are UAE citizens. Um, and everyone else who are expats, everybody has to leave at some point. No one's allowed to stay. Right. So then you obviously so, you start looking at your options saying, well, um, if we're going to have to leave anyway, and I get the sense that you're kind of setting yourselves up for that eventuality and you have the flexibility to do so maybe earlier than retirement if you wanted. Exactly. Um, and uh, uh, you can leave at any point. Mm -hmm. But, uh, you know, we just, we, we were trying to kind of get all of our ducks in a row, basically, trying to make sure we have a plan B in place because uh, we both decided that uh, retaining to Trinidad was not something that we wanted to do for a multitude of reasons. Mm -hmm. um, but it also, because it was, it would be, easier than most for than for most people because i'm already a canadian citizen yeah. um so it's not like most people who are trying to get into canada and have to go the pr route it's um it would have been much simpler for us uh, and in my husband's case he's not a citizen but i could easily apply for him through the spousal route 
Mm-hmm. So it's, I'm a citizen as well as my daughter, even though she wasn't born in Canada, but because of my status, she yeah. automatically is Canadian too. Um, and that's why we decided, you know, that is where we want to head whenever we leave. And at the same time, because I was applying around for jobs and it was impossible, still is sort of, but a little bit easier. Mm. Um, but at the time, you know, I really felt like, okay, since I'm not working, and I have the time, I might as well begin the process of recertifying myself now, as opposed to whenever we decide to get to Canada and then start at that point. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And that's a great sort of segue into the next sort of part of the conversation that I'd like to get into is um, when you make that decision, um, what's your first step? What did you do? How did you first find out about the NCA and the accreditation journey that you'd have to take? Um, it, was, it was actually not very difficult to figure it out. I just Googled it. <laughs> um, <laughs> mm-hmm. I, I also spoke to a couple of uh, Trinidadian friends that I had gone to school with and work with who had also made this journey previously mm-hmm. um, to get some advice. But it was really through Google. I mean, it was very easy to just Google how do I get myself recertified? And one of the, the search results was the NC, the NC mm-hmm. website. And I found the NC website to be very comprehensive in terms of exactly what was needed. Um, I didn't experience any difficulties or uncertainties about what they wanted from me. Um, and as soon as I, I, I went through the website, as I said, being very comprehensive, um, I, I just proceeded to, to begin the steps, of course, starting with making the application mm-hmm. and then having the university, the, the law school, and all of those uh, in institutions sending my, my transcripts, et cetera, to them. Um, and then just waiting and paying the fees and then waiting for them to, to send me their assessment report about what I would need to complete in order to, to get this certificate. I, yeah. I really didn't yeah. have any difficulties at all with, with figuring out what NCA wanted and what their process is going to be. Right. Yeah. I, and I mean, really, the way you broke it down is exactly how it, how it works. But sometimes there can be a lot of confusion when you start to hear a lot of different opinions. And I, I think I personally see it because I'm active on the Facebook pages that have NCA supports and things like that. You get differing opinions and there are webinars that you know there's all kinds of information and resources now which are great but it's also very loud and noisy and you might get different different takes on what you should be doing and for your from your perspective when you're doing it on your own and you're using google and relying on your own um ability to figure it out it sounded pretty easy for you well i i suppose that as you, I know that lots of people, especially based on what I've been reading, listening to on your podcast, and then reading everyone's perspective from all of the various NCA groups. Yes, I agree, it could be very confusing, but I think at the point in time that I started, I hadn't joined any Facebook groups. I yeah. hadn't networked with anybody. I, I, all I did was just follow the steps that out precisely on the NCA website. I got no one else's really no one else's opinions and perspectives and i just i suppose at the end of the day it was the the loudness as you put it kind Mm. of worked in my favor because i didn't experience that confusion i honestly can't say that i did 
yeah. um, when I was going through um, the, the initial process of registering with the NC. Um, yeah. You know, of course, as you started to go further into the process of NC, which means you register for the exams you, and have to start the studying process, that becomes a little bit more murky. But um, for the initial part, I, I definitely can't say that I found that confusing at all. That's good. And I know that from speaking with um, the director of the NCA, um, Deborah has mentioned that the first stop that everybody should make when they when they decide that they want to undertake this journey is the NCA website. She really stresses that because, um, you know, you can't stop anybody from offering opinions and advice. And, and most of it, as I say, is very good and comprehensive. But really, most is not enough. You have to get the information from the source. And um, yeah. yeah. And then once you have the information from the source, if you have other questions, either email the NCA or at that point, ask a question in a forum or a group, but also take all opinions with a grain of salt, you know, like, yeah, it's everybody's really eager to help. There are some for profit entities who are offering advice, obviously, that and that that's their right, and that's fine. There are some non-for-profit, like Global Lawyers of Canada is a great resource for individuals great. who are looking to start. You know, you can join them for free, um, and they hold webinars. And, you know, th this podcast, obviously, um, it's sort of non-biased, so th that's just getting opinions from other people. But so that worked for you. That's great. Let's say we transport us back in time and you've received your assessment result. How many exams did you have to do? Or how many modules did you have to complete? Uh, I had to do the five core, the five core subjects, the professional responsibility, criminal law, foundation, constitutional, administrative law, mm -hmm. just those five. Um, and um, as, as, as they say very clearly, you know, it's all self-study and you get to pick when you want to do it. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, that's what I had to do. I, I'm grateful I didn't have to do anything else. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you hear some horror stories of people who have, you know, you got like, you know, 11 exams to do or, or 11 modules. And then you, the determination there is, is it better for me to take a master's program or even some years in Canadian law school, it can get a little bit murky, but if you're sent just the five exams, or I keep calling them exams, but whenever I speak to Deborah from the NCA, she always says there are modules. You can choose oh. to take the exams or yes. you can choose to take them in a Canadian law school. So that's uh, that's, that's a key thing to remember. Um, so let's, let's say that you, for sure, you chose to take the exams. Um, okay. At what point, like, how did you source materials? Like, I know you're, you're a good Googler and you've been on the NCA website. So obviously you pull up the most recent syllabi of all the different modules. And I did. it gives you, you know, what are the mandatory or required readings? Usually a textbook per course or, yes. you know, the criminal code um, yes. for, for criminal law. And then there's some, some sort of recommended or required articles that you can get online. So yes. what did you do? Like, were you overwhelmed in sort of saying, how am I going to get these materials? Did you source notes, paid for notes from a tutor? Did you actually get tutoring? How did you navigate the studying? Yeah, so I'm, I'm really glad that you asked that because, yes, that's a, that's, that was really the, the point in time when my panic began to, <laughs> to mm. set in a bit. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and of course, always uh, remembering that I, I had never, I, I didn't know anybody else who was in the process with me. And uh, I mean, I'm sitting here in Abu Dhabi and trying to figure out how exactly am I supposed to accomplish this right. um, from here. So yes, the first thing I did was I pulled up the, syllab- the various syllabi. So all of the, the required readings, etc., all of the books, I immediately began to try to source the books. So I contacted the publishers directly. Um, I, at that point in time, I think I, I began to join various Facebook groups. I think one of the first ones that I joined, it was mostly people trying to sell their books. And, uh, right, things the like book that. exchange so, one or whatever. Yeah, buy and sell. Yeah. Yes, yes. And uh, I found that that process seemed to be pretty easy, but that was not my, my problem. The problem for me was once I bought the books, how was I going to get them here? Right. And uh, the shipping of those books from Canada to here was much more than the cost of the actual books themselves. Mm-hmm. So I, after much debate and much research, I, I decided, I think I came across uh, someone, it, I think it was a blog, it wasn't on Facebook, it was a blog that I was just Googling and, and found. Um, someone saying that, you know, you can, you can easily do this if you just get notes. Mm-hmm. So what I did was, and this is purely because, as, as I told you, because of the fact that shipping the books from Canada to here was just not feasible for me at all. Yeah. Um, I decided to, to go the route of buying notes. Mm-hmm. So I, I found a tutor online, uh, a pretty uh, well-established tutor, apparently, mm-hmm. um, who was selling, selling the notes for all of the subjects, and I bought them. And that is what I used for my mandatory reading. Great. I did not use any textbooks at all. I have. Oh, actually, that's not true. I, I actually eventually bought the, the criminal code because I realized while I was studying for criminal law that this is something that I'm going to actually have to, to use while I'm in the exam. Yeah. Um, so I bought that. Um, but everything else was done from NCA notes. Mm. Um, so I, I can give you timelines in terms of how this worked. So that mm-hmm. in terms of like for your for your listeners, how I try to plan my studying yeah. uh, in in time with 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 the deadlines and the exam dates. So I had received my my assessment in February of 2018, and I planned to do the exams uh, in August. So I had that time frame from February to to August to study and prepare. Um, and I studied, I read all of the notes on my own. I did everything on my own. Um, I realized quickly, as soon as I was finished reading all of the notes that had been provided, which were very extensive, but not necessarily comprehensive. And I'll I'll just, I think um, part of the issue with notes, and you're right, there are some actually really great providers of notes, but there's two issues in my mind. One of them is it's all, a bit of an unregulated space, right? So it's a bit like yeah. if you imagine it's the Wild West. There are some yeah. really good guys in the Wild West, and then there are the yeah. bad guys. And it doesn't yeah. mean they're bad. It's just they're not the quality of the notes and the context that they provide you um, can be lacking or or out of dates, quite simply, because the syllabus, um, the NCA is changing syllabi all over the place. Um, yeah. So. That's the first thing. Make sure that they're up-to-date notes and they're reasonably comprehensive, or at least they come from a reputable institution or 
really reputable private individual, you know, and, and one other thing that I've seen is that the Facebook groups are utilized in some ways as marketing tools. Um, there, there are a lot of people who say, you know, so-and-so is blessed by God because they have great tutoring and notes, which is fair enough. Again, all's free in love and war, but just be mindful, you know, that the most important thing is that you're, when you're purchasing something to purchase quality. And in my mind, there are a few quality and there are more kind of, you know, be careful kind of, kind of things. That's the first thing. And then the second thing is like you said, you were looking to buy textbooks. And I think when I speak to Deborah Wolf and I speak to other people, it's really recommended that you get the textbooks because that provides the context behind the notes. Like I've seen notes like you, you know, and I, I have, I have a sense of the notes that you purchased and I've seen them. I, I purchased them myself, to be honest. Um, right. And I know like they're really, they're, they're sort of, they're very, um, there's like over a hundred pages, all of the necessary mandatory information is there but you're left sort of wanting a little bit more context to it, I think, like to tie things together, to add a little bit more to it. So I, I yeah. get that that's kind of what you're saying. Agreed. Fully mm -hmm. agreed, Anton. Fully, mm -hmm. fully agreed. And as, as I said, uh, if, uh, I, if I were actually in Canada, that is not the route that I would have taken. Mm -hmm. um, I just felt that because uh, I was doing this uh, from here, that, uh, you know, the, the decision to get the books was just not working to me, whereas I had, if, when I bought the, the notes, for example, they were just emailed to me in PDF format. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, 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 that, I felt like I just didn't have a choice at that point. Right. Um, uh, and, you know, just trying to, to, to make the best of the remote studying experience as to actually physically being in Canada. Um, and that's really why I chose that route. And um, yes, there were deficiencies. Um, as you said, it was, I, they were extremely extensive. You know, I, I tried to do as much research as I could about the various pieces. And yes, from various Facebook groups of people swore by this pizza and that pizza, etc. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I also decided as well that I didn't want to do those classes that those same teachers were offering um, for a variety of reasons, but also simply because of the time difference to me. Yeah. Um, I'm eight hours ahead of you. So that the time that the teachers were conducting their classes, you know, it's, it's like two o'clock in the morning for me, you know. Yeah. Um, and having to look after uh, a toddler at the time, as well as, you know, do everything else that I had to do, it just was not feasible for me. So I felt that just purchasing these notes and trying to make the best of it was, was the route that I chose to take. Um, and I think actually what you mentioned, like for those, first of all, again, I'm taking a lot from what you're saying and it's really great, useful advice for a lot of people. If you're in Canada or in an area where shipping is not as onerous or expensive as it was for you, Jennifer, then I think yeah. what I'm hearing is, you know, consider yourself a little bit lucky in that sense and actually absolutely look to purchase the texts. There's no harm in it. It's not too expensive. And of course, as you saw on Facebook, you can always resell them. And generally speaking, they're so valuable because the students need them that you can kind of resell them for what you paid for it. So you don't, you're not really out any money. So I'm sure. hearing notes are really helpful for in-exam strategy. Like when you're in the exam, you wanna reference something quick and you want it to be accurate, perfect. But when you're preparing, 
um, it's always good to consult the text. And I will say this, and this is my personal experience, that I took the notes with me into the exams, and I never once ever looked at them. I, huh. I, I, I it was just, they were useless to me in the exam. Wow, well, <laughs> there you go. That, that, <laughs> it's completely unnecessary, in my opinion. <laughs> <laughs> interesting, very interesting. And then the second thing that I'm hearing is that in lieu of being able to purchase text, because I've, I've spoken to individuals in India, you know, and if they're in a rather remote area or if there's nobody near them to send them books, then they come into the same issue that you have, right? Where you can yeah. purchase the books from the publisher. That's all well and good, but I'm not spending a thousand dollars to have it shipped. So what do I do in that case? Well, some, tutor, yeah. some tutors will offer live sessions, but then there are also institutions who will offer recorded sessions. So in a pinch, you can get those sessions to try to add context because it's always good to hear somebody bring the, the words from the paper out and sort of apply them to real life context. So that's just sort of another thing that you could, I mean, for you, it didn't work because the live sessions were in the middle of the night, um, but for others, it might be another opportunity to learn in a different way. But again, as always, there's an asterisk, make sure that they're reputable and they're legit, like make sure that they've got some kind of credential. <laughs> well, I, I, actually, I, I fully agree with that uh, because uh, uh, as a continuation to what I was saying previously about you know, my, my lack of satisfaction with the news, mm. um, I decided eventually that I would want to have some, some kind of tuition. Mm -hmm. um, and but I, I didn't want to go the route of going back to the same tutors again. And I did register myself with uh, a very good institution in Canada who was uh, offering an NCA, an NCA review crash course, like mm -hmm. a package that you can pay for with all five subjects. And they, they offer, they, 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 when you, you register with them, they offer you like a year's worth of services even after you write the exam. So for example, if you fail, you can continue studying with them. Yeah. Um, they offer the, the pre-recorded classes yeah. where they, every single, uh, every single sec section in each of the syllabi was, you know, properly explained. Um, you have all access to all of their online resources. And also the most important thing for me that really attracted me to this particular institution um, was the fact that they, they, were, they were letting you send in written answers to their questions and they would mark it for you and send back oh, cool. to you. Yeah, that's you know, I great. Thought that was the most helpful. That was really something that I wanted to take full advantage of. Yeah, that's amazing. And again, I think I know what institution you're talking about. And these kinds of, of packages and things, I think, are sort of the wave of the future. Um, uh, and I, what I'm hearing is that it really is helpful for those individuals who are not in Canada, but really need still a good resource that you can use on your time. And I mean, I spoke to um, Dr. Mitchell Moore. Kara is the head of CPLED. And that's various province, you know, bars in various province. And she had mentioned how important feedback is on your work, whether right. you're looking to be, um, you know, practicing as a lawyer, whether you're, you know, in your articling, it's feedback is so important. But even when you're preparing for a test, how valuable would it be if you're in Abu Dhabi <laughs> studying yeah. on your own 
to be like, okay, I think I understand it, but let me try to answer this question and get the feedback. That sounds really valuable. Yes, it, that turned out to be a very invaluable resource for me. And I think at the end was what really saved me. <laughs> yeah. Because um, I, I, not in addition to the, the part of them mocking questions with answers to me and, and, and returning the feedback to me, you know, it was, it was, it was so much of a blessing to me to sit whenever I, I had the time and just listen to these pre-recorded classes. Mm. Um, and, you know, where they explain concepts that were definitely not clear while I was reading these notes, you know? Yeah. So like, oh, I didn't realize this. <laughs> yeah. Simply because it was explained, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I, to continue from what you were asking me previously, mm-hmm. um, in terms of self-study tips, yeah. Um, what works for me? Now, I, I've, I've listened to all of your podcasts about people who have joined groups, study groups together with others and, you know, uh, working together to, to try to plow through all of the materials. Mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't do any of those things. I was completely on my own. I never once made contact with anybody who I did because I just didn't know anyone else who was doing it. Yeah. Um, I did it completely on my own. Um, but what really worked for me at the end of the day, Anton, was doing part papers. And I can't stress enough how important that was. Yeah. Um, I, it was, I was getting some part papers from that, uh, that, that course that I had I'd signed up for, but it wasn't enough for me. What uh, I did was I went, uh, I Googled again, mm-hmm. and I found uh, this, uh, this law school in UBC. Yeah. I think it's called the Peter Allard. Yeah. Right, right, and their law library was wide open, and they had all of their past papers available for the whole wide world to see. And I just went into the various, uh, the various uh, modules, and just downloaded as many past papers as I could find, and just started writing model, model answers. So I was taking my cue from from the, the feedback that I had gotten from that registered institution, and just mm-hmm. wrote answers and wrote as much as I could, and especially within the last. Two to three weeks before the actual exam that is what i was doing just writing answers writing as much as i could practicing timing myself and that for me is what worked worked 100 for me i took i i took as i said i took the notes with me to the exam but i also took all of my pre-written answers ah, and very cool i was using my answers i mean obviously the questions would be slightly different and you have to tweak as you go right but uh, Everything, you know, like every possible angle that I could have taken in various questions was already written right in front of me. And I had already done it and practiced it before. So it was just a matter of referencing, like, oh, I remember writing this for this question at some point and pull out a paragraph from this answer and pull a paragraph from another answer. Mm-hmm. And then you it all together in the exam. And that's what worked for me during NCs. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's really great advice. I... I spoke to um, a University of Toronto psychologist, uh, Steve Jordan, he was on the podcast and he was saying how important it is to do that repetition in order to to study. You, you shouldn't, ideally, you shouldn't just rely on your ability to read something and then just go answer in the test. You need that practice. That's sort of, the, the repetition really helps and it gets you in the zone. And you're right, another thing you mentioned, um, don't you're, you're not only tied to the practice 
or sample exams on the NCA's website. Um, the NCA exams mirror that of a Canadian first law course per se, right. you know? Right. So if you use that logic and you say, okay, let me see if there are past papers up on Canadian law school websites and you found it. UBC is, was, I assume still is the treasure trove of past exams. Um, so they might not be exactly what the NCA sample paper is, but that doesn't mean it's not good because constitutional law is the same in BC as it is in, in Ontario on the federal level. So uh, you can use those papers as really good opportunities to practice your your writing. That's true. Mm -hmm. I, I agree. You know, it may not have been exactly what the NC was going to ask and what the NC was looking for, but it was pretty similar. Um, mm -hmm. And in the, lots of times it was very close. Um, and, you know, especially for the, the types of questions that come where you need to use IROC to yeah. answer the questions. I mean, I, I just found for me in particular that the, the more problem questions that you answer using IROC and you get accustomed to following that format, you know, it, the facts are going to be different. Yes, and you're going to have to apply different cases under some types of law, and then the conclusion is going to be different. But the format is all the same, you yeah. know. And uh, I, the more you practice, the better you become, and the, the easier it is for you, and also the faster you can write. <laughs> mm, exactly, and the, that's right. Because if you practice, you practice, you practice. It's the old saying: "Practice makes perfect." You're never going to be perfect in the law exam, but right. you you can be perfect in your ability to seamlessly read a question and know, okay, this is what I have to do. Imply, or um, you have to use. Iraq, and then you know how the steps and you, you don't really hesitate or think or have to rustle in your notes and say what was what's the R again, <laughs> you know, that kind yeah. of thing. So exactly. Um, that's really good advice. Uh, and I think, I mean, hope hopefully very valuable. And it was interesting that you said, um, you know, if you can find useful resources from reputable institutions or you know, um, private tutors, if you trust them, and if you if you know that their work is good, then you don't necessarily need to be in study groups. That's not the way everybody studies. Some people really exactly. enjoy that. Um, I think I'm kind of on your side, Jennifer, and saying that I, I do like, um, I worry that too many cooks in the kitchen can spoil the broth kind of thing. And that's not to say that study groups are bad. Some people mm -hmm. love them because you can just kind of, you can riff and you can bounce ideas off of people. But at some point you do have to get stuck in on your own because you won't yeah. have those people in your exam rooms, you know? So that's, yeah. that seemed to be a way that a method that worked for you. It did. And it was something, that's how I've always been, you know, like all through previously when I was in university and law school and, you know, I, I'm aware of a lot of people utilizing study groups and making the best out of it. But I mean, it's, I guess it's all up to the individual at the end of the day, if you're mm -hmm. not comfortable. And it's something that I wasn't always uh, very interested in. It never really worked for me. I always studied best on my own. Mm -hmm. um, so this particular remote type of, of studying, <laughs> it was to my advantage, luckily, um, yeah. you know, just because of of the kind of person that I am. That doesn't mean, obviously, as you said, it, that's not necessarily the case for a lot of people. I'm sure the study groups are helpful. Mm. It's just that you have to know you have to know what works best for you. Yeah, and and never. I mean, I think you the way it very rarely can you rely on one method of study 
the whole way through. Like sometimes it is good to study on yourself and supplement it by meeting up with people that are on the, on the path to accreditation as well to say, this is what I've been doing. What about you? You know, that kind of thing helps. And it also helps if you think about it on a more broad or broader scale, if you have the opportunity, maybe it helps with your mental health while you're going through the process to be able to speak to somebody else who's do, going True. through the same thing, even if it is just to complain about, you know, whatever it is, you know. So I do think that some some interactions with others is great, it sounds like, from what I've, I've heard from others, but also to make sure that, um, you know, you're doing it, you, the work yourself and because um, you only have yourself to rely on on exam day. Yes, that's true. That's true. Um, it's, I guess for some, for some, you know, as you say, it, it's really good for your mental health. And, you know, you'd also like some reassurance that you're mm-hmm. on the right path, that kind yeah. of thing, you know. Um, so I agree. It's just that, you know, as well with my particular situation as being located here and mm. <laughs> having really just, uh, I, I never really, uh, really fully explored the concept of the NCA's Facebook group. Yeah. Um, until really after, to be quite honest. With you yeah. After. It wasn't until I was done that I was like, oh, maybe I should join this group and that group. Um, and, but really, because I was trying to see, I just wanted to kind of reach out to people and explain to them that guess what? It's really not as bad as you think. Yeah. Um, really. And, and that's why I joined NC groups, Facebook groups, sorry, after the fact. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think the, it's the. Um... Like you mentioned there, there are, there's a sense that it's very confusing and um, you know, you hear, like I keep saying it's very loud in those groups. And so it can compound your anxieties if you think, Oh my God, how am I going to do this? And then other people are saying, Oh, the wait times are forever. Um, I think you have to do this. You know, it's really difficult. So consulting the website, making sure you understand things first, and then, you know, there are some really great voices on those groups who can offer great advice, but not to rely solely on them. Always, you know, the advice that I seem to hear from others is always just go to the source. You know, everybody's been a law student. Most, I mean, at least half of the NCA applicants, I'm sure, have had some practice experience. So you're a lawyer, right? You know, you know what to do. <laughs> we just have to, the internet's great. Um, don't, you know, don't, would you ever rely on you know, suspect witness testimony. No, you, you'd want to make sure that it's, yeah, exactly. So it's the kind of the principle really, it, it applies here too. Um, so Jennifer, we'll, we'll wrap up shortly. I really appreciate all of the advice. It's such great advice. Um, and there are many people like you now, particularly with COVID who are sort of isolated and studying on their own. And it, I think it will be great to hear from, from you, um, what strategies you employed, your experience with notes, um, your experience with looking to either participate in live tutoring sessions or in what you opted to do is is purchase or enlist in in help from an institution, you know, a quite a, re- a reputable institution with pre-recordings and opportunities to get feedback on your papers, which again is so invaluable. Um, you can't even stress it enough. But where are you now? Like, and what are your plans personally? Like now that you, you sort of, you've, you've conquered that. um, And you, I assume the, the Law Society of Ontario exams have been successfully completed. 
yes, I, I, I've also crossed uh, that hurdle as well. Yeah. Um, and it's a very, very different hurdle from yeah. the NCA, though. That's a, mm. that's a whole different ball game. <laughs> I know. I've heard, I've heard. Yeah. So many people that call it like the, like the, the mean older brother of the NCA exams. It's, it's a little bit more tricky. And it's something that domestic law students in Canada struggle with almost as equally as NCA students from what I've heard. And, you know, I've spoken to, to Valerie Fernandez Salvim, who has this Ontario bar exam courses company, and she helps with people who are interested in having some extra support and studying for the bar. You know, she talks very openly about her failing her first attempt. And a lot I, of- I remember reading that. That was a very interesting and a very candid um, account of, of her experience. And I really did appreciate that. And it was something that I wish I had read while I was trying to make my way through the, the LSO exams. Mm. Um, I, it was comforting somewhat to hear that, oh, that's what, you know, there are people who feel. Oh, yeah, <laughs> and exactly. And I'm not afraid to talk about it. <laughs> well, see, this is another thing. Like, there are so many people, I mean, like, listen, we're all human beings. We're not perfect. I mean, people fail things. People don't succeed the first attempt. But the thing about the groups, again, or social media in general, is you never see that side of things. Um, you know, even if you think about taking a selfie and you put the filter on and you've got everybody around you and it's great, but you don't necessarily share those moments where you're not so great or you're not having such a great day. And the same goes for exam yeah. writing. If people pass, they're going to say, great, you know, I had such a great time with such and such tutor or or this was really helpful to me but if you fail you never hear from those people they don't really openly say it so I think you're right sure. there's some real value in normalizing that to say look not you know you you're gonna fail if it's not in your exam it could be in your bar exam if it's not in your bar exam it could be in practice in some way where you've you know you you mess up with a client or who knows it's just getting used to and normalizing that and understanding that you can grow from it yeah I, I fully agree with you. It, there, there were lots of points in time during that, that process where I was strongly convinced that I was going to fail. Mm. Um, I, I thankfully did not, and I, I say thanks every single day of my life yeah. that I did not. Um, you know, simply not because I would have to, to, to have to go through that again, also, it's because I would have had to fly back from Abu Dhabi to, to right. Canada to research those exams, which to me is it's an additional pressure, an additional um, burden because, you know, in addition to having to pay all of that money out to write exams and stuff, that was something else that I also had to consider that uh, because I'm not living in Canada. Yeah. Um, the cost of airfare between Abu Dhabi and Canada is, is quite exorbitant. And I just didn't want to have to do that again. Wow. Um, imagine, I can then, only imagine the pressure that that, there's sort of this added layer of pressure for you because you're like, okay, I've done the studying and I'm going to pay this money. I'm going to go write the exam. Um, but what if I fail? Like there's, you know, money is money and it's real and <laughs> you don't want to yeah. have to do it all over again. Whereas now in COVID times, all of the exams are administered online. So imagine not, not having to deal with that. That would be something. I that, know. My yeah. husband and I talk about this all the time, about <laughs> the fact that because of COVID, we, I could have sat here and done this exam instead yeah. of flying back and forth, you know, um, because, you know, this is our reality for me. Mm -hmm. And I, I think for a lot of people who are trying to get into Canada to do this, you know, is that 
we had a, it was a financial a serious financial burden on on our part you know mm-hmm. we had money set aside for investments for when we returned to canada you know like obviously when you went to canada you need to buy a house right mm-hmm. and i decided early on to take some of our savings and put this into me getting recertified before we went to canada right you know so that it was a very big sacrifice on both my husband and myself on all parts um and it, it was such a it was such a shock when we heard oh guess what you can stay at home yeah i know like exams on we're like, oh man, maybe I should have waited a year. <laughs> but exactly. think, you know, there's that exactly. sort of the old adage is things happen for a reason. And at least now, Jennifer, it's done, right? It's right. there. There are there are pros and cons to this online delivery. I mean, everybody's doing their best, but of course, there you can't stop technology glitches from happening, and you know, lagging and delays and internet connections, all of that. Anyway, you don't even have to worry about that. But it is nice for people listening to this to know, wow, I don't have to go through if what Jennifer went through because <laughs> I can write it online and sort of take me, you know, when you're studying and it's really stressful, maybe take that as a, as a positive and saying, okay, I can get back on track and I'll be able to write the exam in the comfort of my own home. Or some people, like when I was talking to Deborah, um, some people opt to go into a hotel if that's possible where you're living around the world, if it's not on lockdown. Right. Um, right. And so you have your own space and a reliable internet connection. There's all kinds of things that you can do. Yeah. Now, what is your plan? What are you going to do, okay. Jennifer? <laughs> all right. So um, I, I, I don't have any Canadian work experience. I don't. Right. So that is a hurdle that I am going to have to cross whenever I get to Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, it was something that we were thinking about doing last year as in making the move, but then the pandemic kind of changed all of our plans and we're just um, we're, we're contemplating this year, but it's again, it's a wait and see. Mm-hmm. Um, I have been trying my best to network um, as much as possible. As I said, I've been trying to interact with, with people that I know that I went to school with who are practicing right now in Canada. I've also been trying as much as possible to milk my family connection that I have in Canada and, um, you know, try to see where, like where in Ontario, for example, because uh, I have family settled all over Ontario, not just in the GTA area. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, like uh, little law firms and things like that that are looking i've been told that uh, you know there are options available it's just that you have to get yourself to canada yeah to start looking you know um again the the discussion about being on facebook groups and hearing all about the, the numerous hurdles that internationally trained lawyers have to go through simply because they didn't go to school in canada and they don't have any previous canadian with experience mm. Um, is uh, it, it, it's a little anxiety inducing, I must say. <laughs> it sure. Is, um, but uh, I, I, based on my experience here, Anton in Abu Dhabi, which has been quite brutal mm. to say the least, uh, um, I, I genuinely feel that uh, despite everything that everyone has to say about internationally trained lawyers in Canada. I have a very strong feeling and I'm trying to be as positive as I can about it that when I get to Canada, it's going to be great. It's going to be yeah. also going to be open, wide open for me I, because simply because, um, you know, I could be anywhere else in the whole wide world, including in Trinidad. Mm-hmm. 
Mm. But I say this to everyone that I know, that whenever I head to Canada, I always feel as though I'm coming home. Mm. Because, you know, I, that's where my blood is. That's where my, I was born. That's where my heart and my soul is, even now. And I just have a feeling that whenever it is I get there, it's, going to, it's not going to be as difficult as it has been for me here. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been trying as well, really trying as well to, to try to network as much as I can, as I said before. I've also, as of July last year, I began volunteering, volunteering sorry, with uh, the NCLI. Also because, you know, I saw accounts a uh, from people on the Global Lawyers of Canada where they, they said that they joined the NCLI. They were trying to assist as much as they could. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were inviting people to come in and volunteer with them. And I totally thought that was an amazing opportunity to try to just help as many people as you possibly can, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> you know, who are affected by this pandemic. And it's just as a, like a sort of a way of giving back. And because obviously it's not a work experience in the true sense of the word, right? Right. Um, it's, it's definitely not actual work experience when you volunteer with the NCLI. But for me, for example, since I don't have any Canadian work experience, I just wanted to, to use that as an opportunity to kind of familiarize myself with the legal landscape in Canada. Sure. Um, and I found it very rewarding so far doing this voluntary, this voluntary stint with them. Um, I've really enjoyed doing it. And, and the great part about it is that I've realized that practicing in Canada, giving legal advice in Canada, uh, to, to these people who are affected, Canadian citizens who are affected, it's really not that different from my practice in Trinidad. The law is mm. very similar. You know, the, the rules, the civil procedure rules, things like that are pretty similar. So it's not uh, that much of a stretch. Mm. Um, and I just, as I said, even though it's not work experience, I'm just trying to use it uh, to my advantage to just try to, to become as familiar as I could with with practicing in Ontario yeah. before I actually get there. That's great advice. I've heard many people say there's like it's very hard to network. It's and this is the thing everybody's confronted with that that you don't. I mean, either you don't have time to think about it or you choose to just sort of not look at it at the moment because you you have to get stuck in with the exams and the licensing processes. But but then is this looming, you know, I need to find work now. So, yeah, I'm, I'm licensed to practice. Okay, that's great. But where am I going to work? How am I going to get articling? How do I network? Who do I talk to? And um, obviously LinkedIn is a great resource. Again, Global Lawyers of Canada offers great resources. Any opportunity that you can take to attend a webinar or an event, a panel with Canadian legal practitioners telling you like what they do and any advice. All of these things lend to your ability to understand um, better the Canadian legal marketplace and where you can envision yourself within it. Like if you do, like you, you know, volunteering with NCLI is a great opportunity that I know a lot of people actually took advantage of, which is amazing. And it just shows you the hunger that people have for yeah. this opportunity to gain experience, whatever it is. Is it formal work experience? No, but is it an opportunity for you to engage with the, the laws in Canada in some ways? Yeah, is it an opportunity for you to work virtually alongside some people in Canada? Yeah, and that's great. And that the, there's no harm in that whatsoever. So. You know, I, I 
a lot of people say, you know, adding to your LinkedIn profile, what have you done? Is there something that you can put that that's Canadian centric that can help? And, and it sounds like Jennifer, um, you are, you've maintained a positive attitude about it. And I think given your experience and your, your really, your diverse experiences and your backgrounds and where you've been and where you'd like to go, I have no doubt that when you come to Canada, it'll welcome you with open arms. Thank you so much, Anton. I, I truly do appreciate it. I'm trying to take as much positivity as I can get from as many sources as I could possibly find. Yeah. I, I do appreciate it. <laughs> Well, and I mean, that's what you have to do. You have to be positive. And, and just doing this, Jennifer, getting your story out there and, and benefiting others. You know, I've, I, I mean, privately, I've heard from people and privately, I've heard from guests who, who have received feedback from others. You know, I don't, I don't get all the feedback. Actually, this podcast is really about the guests. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised, Jennifer, if people start reaching out to you and saying thank you, you know, for sharing and, and connecting. So I hope that in some ways this, this interview, and when I publish it and it goes on iTunes and Spotify and all of that, hopefully it can serve as, as just another opportunity for you to network. I, I, I certainly hope so as well. And, and also, you know, I really hope that, this, that my experience and my account of it can help so many people who might be in this particularly unique situation that I have found myself in. Because I'm sure there are so many people who are also thinking, maybe I should try to do this before I get to Canada, but how possible is it really? Yeah. You know? Yeah. So well, I'm really hoping as well. No, it, that's you're right. And what's ironic about all of this um, is that back in, you know, two years ago, um, Jennifer, you would have been sort of a very a unique case in in being isolated there in Abu Dhabi and not having anybody to rely on to meet up for study groups, coffees, you know, to talk about what you're going to do and your strategies for getting accredited. Whereas now everybody's on lockdown. For the yep. most part, you know, all over Europe and in, in Asia, there are there are many many countries in lockdown. So everybody's kind of in your boat where you can meet up on Zoom and things, but really, um, it's just the four walls around you and your ability to get stuck into the materials. So um, I hope, like you, people can learn, you know, your journey and and your your relationships with the different kinds of materials that are available and what worked for you and what didn't work for you and, and how you ultimately succeeded. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I, and I, you know, I also wanted to mention this Anson that uh, um, I, when I mentioned before about the NCLI, mm-hmm. um, I, I, I had wanted to see that I thought that that was such an amazing opportunity for people to help Mm-hmm. Um, others, uh, um, but also as you know, we're talking about you know that it's not a, it's not a formal work experience, but it's an amazing opportunity to learn. You know, yeah. it's you know, it's, you take your learning opportunities wherever you can find it, and that one right there. For those who are listening and who are thinking, you know, how best can I go about this? You know, how can I try to expose myself as much as possible? That is a great avenue to do it. Yeah, and for those who don't know, NCLI was the National Canadian Lawyers Initiative, and it was sort of this pro bono project aimed at assisting um, individuals and small businesses who are struggling 
um, and in need of legal um, resources and help through COVID. Um, so it was it was really a, a really great resource, um, and hopefully more sprout up like it. And I, I don't I don't and I don't think that won't happen. I think it will happen. <laughs> That's a weird way I said that. I don't. I do think other organizations, hopefully like NCLI, will come up and and provide other people with similar opportunities that you had. Agreed. I hope so as well too. Well, Jennifer, um, we've spoken for almost an hour. Um, it was it was a really great conversation. It was enlightening for me, and again, unique. I hadn't spoken to somebody who is born in Canada, moved to Trinidad, moved to Abu Dhabi, now thinking about moving to Canada. Um, very unique path, and. Um, I wish you all the best and good luck. And I, I know that your story and your tips and advice um, will resonate with a lot of people who listen. Thank you very much, Anton. And thank you so much for giving me this opportunity. I, I really do appreciate it. And I hope that uh, all of the listeners, you know, you, you've gotten something out of this. <laughs> yeah, I know they did. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you. And that does it for episode 30 of A Shot of Life. Thank you, Jennifer, for taking time out of your busy day. Um, in particular, it was really interesting to learn a lot about what it was like to study while abroad. Um, really interesting and unique experience that I'm sure a lot of people who are currently listening to the podcast in the age of COVID are now having to deal with in terms of having to stay home and having to study and get materials on your own. So I hope some of Jennifer's experiences help you and help shape the way that you you approach studying for and preparing for the NCAAs. And until next time, we'll talk again.